Well, good morning. Can something good come from something bad? Can something positive result from something negative? Well, sometimes, right? I mean, we look at nature, and a forest fire can be destructive and dangerous and burn uh, tens of thousands of acres. But in the aftermath, eventually, the, 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 the soil is more fertile, and we see evidence of new growth, and it kind of renews itself, the area. Or, or maybe a hailstorm comes through and it damages your roof, roof, which is just a couple years old, but then insurance kicks in and you get a newer and better roof. Or, or your favorite team loses in the playoffs, uh, but you have more free time at night. <laughs> that can happen. Or you get laid off from work. Uh, but the motivation to find something new leads to a much better, more fulfilling job. Sometimes good things can be produced by, by bad things. But what about when it's more serious than a hailstorm or, or your favorite team losing? What about when that bad thing involves real pain or, or suffering or struggle? What about when the circumstances of your life make you feel like you're drowning? You can barely keep your head above water. This morning we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Philippians, and we kicked it off last week. Paul did, did a great job, uh, preached through the first 11 verses and kind of set the table for this week. Uh, and we're picking it up in verse 12, and in our passage, Paul's words and the example that he sets for us and for the Philippian people he was writing to, um, they can help us when we as Christians suffer because of our faith in Christ. I'm not talking about the, the bad things that just happen sometimes in life. But the things that happen because of our faith in Christ. So let's set our context here. A reminder that Paul is sitting in a, in, in a, under house arrest in Rome. And he's there because he's been preaching and teaching, moving his way through the Roman Empire, traveling, planting churches, all this. And he's been, he's been arrested, um, he's been persecuted, and he's been taken to, to Rome. He's awaiting a hearing, awaiting a trial. And so what he does with his, his time is he, he meets with other Christians uh, to be encouraged, to encourage them. He writes letters to churches that he's planted and individuals. And that's what he's doing here. He's writing to a church in Philippi, which he helped plant in Greece. And let's pick it up now in verse 12. You'll, you'll find it on page 1671 in the, the Sanctuary Bibles. They're in front of you in the church, the, the, the chair uh, racks, if you want to follow along. Uh, if you have your own Bible, turn there to Philippians chapter 1 and keep your finger there. We'll be working our way through the passage this morning. And in this passage, Paul answers our question for today. Why should we view adversity or pressure because of our faith? Why should we view those things as opportunities? Let's pick it up, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Why should we view adversity or pressure due to our faith as a spiritual opportunity? Because adversity can be used to advance the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And Paul writes from personal experience. In verse 12, he says, I want you to know that what has happened to me is actually being used to advance the gospel. So he's under house arrest. We've established that, which means when he writes about chains, he's not, he's not writing symbolically or metaphorically. These are real chains. He would have been chained to a Roman guard pretty much 24-7. Uh, the guards would rotate throughout the day and night, taking turns, which meant that when he would eat, a guard would be right there. And when he would sleep, a guard would be right there. When he bathed, when he went to the bathroom, a guard would be right there, which is kind of, it'd be humiliating, wouldn't it? It'd be, I mean, who, he's not exactly living his best life now. But on the other hand, when Paul dictates a letter to brothers and sisters in Christ. The guard is there and can't help but listen. When Paul prays, a guard is there and hears. When Paul meets with brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage them and to discuss life in Christ, a guard is there. Uh, When Paul speaks about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for him and what he means to him, who he is, the guards are there. He says, it has become clear to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul sees this as a spiritual opportunity. The chains, the house arrest, the the being limited and imprisoned and being, this is all being used by God. It's a spiritual opportunity to advance the gospel. You know, one of the most powerful things in the world is a person of true conviction, a true believer. Somebody who believes in something or someone so much that they'll stand firm. They'll go against the current. They're willing to pay the price. They're willing to suffer, even to die for what they believe, their convictions. And that was one of the biggest factors in the growth of the early church, the establishment of the early church. Because to be a Christian back then often meant to suffer. Ridicule, rejection, loss of a a job, loss of of housing, isolation, loss of freedom, being imprisoned. Sometimes it meant physical suffering, being beaten, even martyrdom. And you would think under those circumstances, in the face of that adversity and that incredible pressure, that persecution, that the church would have struggled, that the church would have shriveled up, died. But as persecution grew, so did the church. Because as people saw Christians like Paul standing firm, even expressing joy and peace in the midst of of incredible pressure, they were drawn to Jesus. They were attracted to the light, drawn to it in the midst of a dark world. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus, was spread. It was a spiritual opportunity. And as believers saw Paul's steadfastness and his boldness to share about Jesus, no matter the personal cost, as they saw his example, as they read his words, they were emboldened to do the same. He writes, Because of my chains, 
most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he sees these chains as a conduit for the gospel. He viewed, um, he viewed this as, as an avenue to share the good news of Jesus with the guards. And he saw his suffering and his response to it as a way to, to encourage other believers to follow his example, to see all of this as a spiritual opportunity. You see, Paul knew that we find strength from each other. We gain courage from the courage of others. So we can view these things as a spiritual opportunity, just as Paul did. Now you might say, well, yeah, that's, that's all well and good, but I'm naturally a pretty timid person. I'm a pretty new believer. I'm kind of new in this stuff. I, I, plus, couldn't God arrange for the spread of the gospel with all, all the suffering? I'm only a small cog in the kingdom of God. Yeah, but, but you have an opportunity because people, there's people around you. People are watching how you respond. Friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, they're watching to see if your faith is real, to see if you truly believe what you say you believe. Paul thanked God for the chains that held him captive. And he praised God for the, the hardship he endured. The pressure we come under due to our faith, it's a spiritual opportunity. I want you to think of somebody who is faithful through a, a trial because of their faith and how that encouraged you. I can think of several people, but the one I want to mention is Chuck. Chuck was uh, in my fraternity in college, and there was a handful of us who were trying to follow Jesus during college. And being college, there were times when we would struggle. But Chuck, Chuck was consistent. He stood up under the pressure steadfastly. Guys would poke fun at him. Uh, because of his commitment to Christ, because he wouldn't do certain things. They gave him a hard time. They pressured him. Sometimes not so nice. And he stood firm. And because he did, it gave the rest of us the courage and strength to follow his example. You see, our response to adversity is critically important because it shows those who don't believe that our commitment to Christ is, is real and sincere. And because it encourages those who do believe to share their faith in Christ, despite the adversity that comes with it. Let's pick it up now in verse 19. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body and convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Why should we view adversity and pressure because of our faith as a spiritual opportunity? Because adversity is a win-win for the believer. Paul wrote, what has happened to me will be for my deliverance to live as Christ and to die as to gain. Paul's perspective, his posture is that however things turn out for him in Rome, whether he lives or whether he dies, 
whether the pressure continues and increases, whether it dissipates and goes away. He can't lose. If he loses his life, he'll be with, in heaven with his Lord sooner than he expected. That's a win. If his life is spared for a while, he gets more opportunities to share Jesus with others around him, to encourage believers, more opportunities to experience the Lord's presence and power in a personal way in his peace and his life. It's a win-win that way too. He views adversity, pressure, persecution as a win-win. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out, but he does know whose hands he's in. He needs confidence that either way, it's a win-win. Now, the adversity that Christians face today in this part of the world rarely involves losing his job or a matter of life and death. It does in other parts of the world, but not here. But Paul's perspective is still pertinent, it still applies today. When we experience adversity and pressure because of faith in Christ, our response will cause others to look to Jesus. Our perspective and posture will cause people to ask questions and to ponder and reflect. And whether the adversity and pressure we sometimes experience because of our faith in Christ increases or decreases, it's win-win for us. Because God will not waste the troubles we have because of our faith. He will use them to produce something good in our life and the lives of people around us. The trouble and the labor will be worth it. It's like a, like a woman who is pregnant. She carries her child for nine months. It's not easy. Her body grows and stretches. Toward the end of the pregnancy, she can't sleep as well. It's hard to get comfortable. Her legs ache. The hormones are going crazy. The baby moves and kicks. And then labor comes, and with it, pain. They don't call it labor for no reason. And then there's the recovery after the delivery. But was it worth it? Yes. Because through her pregnancy, through her hard labor, through the adversity of the pregnancy, a baby was born. New life comes into the world. And that's what God will do with our adversity and our troubles. If we stand firm and trust in him, he will deliver something powerful, something that will be worth it. And that could be somebody who's watching us, responding to all this, coming to faith in Jesus, new life in Christ. But Doug, you might ask, couldn't, couldn't adversity in a Christian's life actually cause people to pull back when they see how they, sometimes it's really difficult to follow Christ, what it might cost them? Maybe, but it's more likely. It's more likely that it'll speak to them powerfully and bring them to faith in Christ or at the very least plant seeds that'll come through fruition down the road. Because that's what happened in the early church and that's what's happening today in places like North Korea and Iran and in China where the churches are exploding at astounding rates. When people see Christians stand firm under pressure and persecution, and it shows that our faith is genuine. It shows that our faith has meaning deeper than that of suffering. And it causes them to, to wonder and ask, who is this Jesus that they are so willing to suffer and to pay the costs? So why should we view adversity or pressure due to our faith as an opportunity? Because it's, it's a win-win. God will use it. God will not waste it. And others will see Jesus and be drawn to him. And something good 
come out of something bad? Yes. Can something positive result from the negative things that come our way because of our faith in Christ? Absolutely. Certainly. It's kind of like this. When a guy proposes to the woman he loves, he usually has a ring with a diamond on it. I knew I did. And we do that because diamonds are beautiful. They're hard. They're clear. They're multifaceted. They glitter. Your eyes are drawn to them. They're valuable. They, they say something as a gift. But they do not exist without intense heat around 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And they do not exist without intense pressure, 725,000 pounds per square inch. They start out as carbon deep in the Earth's crust, but when you add intense heat and intense pressure, it becomes something of immense beauty and worth. When trials come due to our faith in Christ, the heat and the pressure can produce something beautiful and powerful. As we stand firm, as we trust in the Lord, we will be strengthened, others will be encouraged, and people will come to faith in Christ. So it boils down to this. How will you view adversity? We can view it as something just to get through, something just to try to survive, something maybe to avoid. Or we can view the trials that come our way as spiritual opportunities. Let's be like Paul. Let's have this posture. Let's have this perspective. And let's let our test become our testimony. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for the gift of your son, Jesus, and the faith and the hope and the life that we have in him. Father, I pray that we would be people who, like Paul, view the pressure and the pushback and the troubles that sometimes come because of our faith in Christ, that we would view them as spiritual opportunities. That in our response, Lord, the peace and the posture and even the joy in the midst of them, Lord, that you would use our response to point others to Jesus. That you use our response, Lord, to encourage others to, to be bolder in their faith. Help us, Lord, to uh, offer ourselves to you and walk in obedience and love. And Lord, may the tests that come our way become our testimonies. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, before we conclude the service,